Good morning. Good to be in the house of God today, isn't it? Man, I'm so happy to see you guys. It's meaningful for me to be able to share worship with you. So I don't know if you know this, some of you have just started coming back from doing church at home and now we're doing it together and every week somebody comes up to me and says, wow, it's amazing, I forgot what it was like to be together in person and worshiping Jesus and you should know that that's not just a blessing for you, your presence here is a blessing to the rest of us. It's amazing for us to sing together and talk about the goodness of God together. If you're joining us online, we're so happy that you're with us. Pray that someday you'll be able to join us in person, but for right now, we're so thankful for this amazing tool we have that you can join us online. Um, I'm Pastor Larry, and we're in the middle of a study right now on the book of Ephesians, and we're calling it Apocalypse. We've been talking a lot about the biblical meaning of this word apocalypse, and it's not about the end of the world. And it's not about a war. It's about an uncovering of something that was unseeable before. It's about an illumination of something that was unclear before. It's about a a revelation of something that we couldn't understand before. And Ephesians is full of apocalypses. And each, war, each week we've looked at some different theology, right? We've, we've talked about who Jesus is and what he's done and who we are in him. And every week has had kind of its own apocalypse. So one week he we talked about the apocalypse of unity and how in Christ God has reconciled all believers, men and women and black and white and Republicans and Democrats and Jews and Gentiles and he's united all of these people groups into one people group and then he has reconciled that people to God and in Christ we have this amazing unity and then the week after that we talked about the apocalypse of predestination and how people who choose to follow Jesus were predestined, they were chosen before time to be blessed and to be a blessing to the world because we are in Christ. We talked about the apocalypse of charis, this free gift of God's grace to save us in Christ. And we talked about how even though it's a free gift to us, there are expectations of reciprocation and God does call us to live in certain ways and do certain things. And we'll talk more about that today. And then last week we talked about the powers of darkness and the fact that they're real and they're smart and they're powerful, but we have the power to stand up against them. Again, because we are in Christ. I mean, through this whole thing, I've I've said the words in Christ about a thousand times and I'm not sure that's enough because throughout this study, we've seen that because of who Jesus is and because of what he's done and because of who we are in him, because we're in Christ, we have become this new humanity. Paul talks about this new nature. We don't have the nature of Adam anymore because we're not in Adam anymore. We have a new nature. We have the nature of Christ because we're in Christ. And, and we've, it's just been this great, for me, apocalypse of God's grace and unity and power. And that's all available to all of those that are in Christ. So the first three chapters of this book are just Theology, 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 one apocalypse after another, one new understanding, one illumination of some truth after another, after another, three whole chapters of nothing but theology. And then there's a really important word that starts chapter four. And the word is, therefore. Therefore. So Ephesians 4.1, Paul writes, 
Therefore, just did three chapters on theology. We understand it now, right? We've had the apocalypse. The lights are on. It's been revealed. We understand. Therefore, he says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. So this is a real shift in the writing of this letter, right? It's gone from just three chapters of Paul giving us theology, and now he's giving us the application of that theology. Now he's saying, now you, you've seen the truth. The truth has been illuminated. You see the truth. Now how are we going to apply that truth to your life? So this is Paul saying, look, you've had the apocalypse. Okay, it's been revealed to you. It's all illuminated, and you can see that by God's grace, we have unity in Christ. We have incredible power in Christ. You've been chosen. You've been predestined. You've been called in Christ to be blessed and to bless the world. Therefore, in light of this apocalypse, you should lead a life worthy of your calling. And he goes on to tell us what that life should look like. And so we're going to pick this up in Ephesians 4, and this is verse 2. He's just said, lead a life that's worthy of your calling. Now he's going to put some skin on that, right? He's going to explain that to us a little bit. So this is uh, Ephesians 4, 2. He says, always, always, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. And then a little more theology, and then back in verse 25, he's gonna pick up the therefores again, right? The instructions are gonna come again. You've had the apocalypse, therefore, verse 25, stop telling lies. Let's tell our neighbors the truth. We're all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down on you while you're still angry, for the anger gives a foothold to the devil. Verse 28, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those that hear them. Don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. So that's like a little reminder of our theology, right? He just reminded us who we are and who we are in Christ. We're saved, we're his, and then it's right back to the therefore. So he says, verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, and harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Then right into the next chapter, man, more of the therefores, more instruction. This is chapter five, verse one. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, those are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So it seems to me, once Paul gets started on the instructions, like once he gets started on the therefores, um, he can't stop, right? It's like for a grace guy, that's a lot of instructions right, on how we should live and what we should do and what we shouldn't do once we've had this apocalypse. And I gotta say, I'm reading this. To me, he goes a little crazy here. Amen. Right? I mean, that's too, too much. It, I mean, we're supposed to imitate God. That's, that's a big ask, right? That, imitate God. He's, get rid of all evil. So no big deal. Right? Get rid of all evil. No immorality. No impurity, ever. I mean, that, it says we should 
always be loving and generous and encouraging and kind and tenderhearted and forgiving and thankful. Always, always. He says, live life. He's telling us to live, think about this, live your life with no greed, with no ugly words, with no anger, with no dirty jokes, right? And that, I mean, it sounds wonderful and it sounds impossible, right? I mean, realistically, there's, there's no way we can never use mean words, right? I mean, it, it says every, every word it says is supposed to be good and helpful and encouraging. I don't even know that many good, helpful, encouraging words. <laughs> I, never, never slander. Never slander anyone. I mean, we're supposed to get rid of every slanderous thing we say about anybody. A lot of us are not gonna have anything left to say. <laughs> and that, if we do that, it's the end of social media, right? That's why it exists. Get rid of all bitterness, all bitterness. He says, never act in anger. I mean, Paul, <laughs> I mean, I love him. He's just not being reasonable, right? Never, never act in anger. Remember that time when your boss ticked you off? Never act in anger. Remember when that employee at that restaurant was rude to you? Remember when that car cut you off on 281? Made you late for church? So you rammed into him, remember? <laughs> remember that time you called customer service? and you were put on hold for three hours and then it was four hours with voicemail and then you finally got transferred to a human being and you got cut off and you took your phone and you threw it on the ground and you stomped on it and you got in your car and backed over it a couple of times. Never, never act in anger. Always be generous instead of selfish. Always be generous instead of selfish. Never steal anything. What about like stealing an idea? What about, what about stealing credit? Never, always be tenderhearted and forgiving. I, I just think, I think Paul has like a pretty picture in his head. I just, I don't think it's realistic. He says, we're always supposed to be forgiving. He says, I'm supposed to forgive people the same way God through Christ forgave me. That's how I'm supposed to forgive people. Because I'm looking at that, how, how did God forgive me through Christ? I mean, my sin made it necessary for Jesus to die. So basically, I'm responsible for Jesus being betrayed and tortured and dying a horrible, bloody, gruesome death. I'm, that's me, that's on me. And God forgave me for that. And how did he forgive me? He forgave me when I wasn't even repentant of it. He, he, he forgave me when I didn't deserve it. He forgave me knowing that I was gonna continue to make mistakes to put Jesus back on the cross. He forgave me at the cost of what he loved the most. And I'm supposed to forgive people like that? I just, I don't know. It seems like, you know, all this grace and stuff is coming out in the first three chapters. And then, I don't know, it, this is an impossible list of do's 
and don'ts. And I don't, I don't, nobody can live up to that. Nobody can never and always. I, I, just don't, I just don't think we can live up to all these therefores. I, I can't. I can't do all that stuff. I can never do all that good stuff, and I will never completely do, stop doing the bad stuff. And I'll tell you guys, and listen, this cannot leave the room, okay? Sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes I like doing that bad stuff. And sometimes I don't want to do the good stuff. So it's possible that I just wasted three chapters because I, I, can't, I can't do all that. But I think Paul is trying to give us an apocalypse here that I think might help us. And so let's look at 421. This is Ephesians 421. He says, since you've heard about Jesus and you've learned the truth that, come, that comes from him, so we've had the apocalypse, right? Since that has happened, he says, verse 22, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Okay, we just covered that, right? I just got through saying, I can't do all of that. I, I, don't, I don't have the will to do all that. I don't have the power. To, I, don't, I don't have the willpower. Right? I don't have what it takes to do all that stuff. How am I supposed to do all of this stuff? Here comes the apocalypse, verse 23. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on your new nature, created to be like God, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So it sounds like Paul is saying this isn't, you know, keeping all the therefores, right? Following all these instructions is not just about me like doing what's impossible and, and counterintuitive for me. It's not just about me working against my nature and my thoughts and my attitudes. This says it's about the spirit working in me to renew and to change my thoughts and my attitudes and even my identity. And then I just have to live out of that new identity. So he's saying, put on your new nature, right? This new humanity. Put on your new nature. It's like this new, in this new nature, like unity and this attitude and this perspective and this power is available to us, and all we have to do is put it on, like, like putting on a, a clean shirt. That's a lot, right? That's a lot to like wrap your head around. So let's take a break and take a look at this cute picture of my granddaughter, Ophelia, <laughs> right? That's what I said when I saw that picture. Um, so this is Ophelia on Halloween, and you may not recognize her costume. She's dressed up as Metal Ellie. So El Metal Ellie is a children's book that her dad wrote about her older sister, Ellie. And in this book, Ellie is like a superhero, Metal Ellie. And so now, it's, I mean, that's a cute kid right there, right? And I know some of your kids are pretty cute. And some of your grandkids are, are really pretty cute. But come on. <laughs> right? So now, I'm talking to her the next day. And she's two. So you know how those conversations go. And I say, hey, oh, did you, uh, did you have fun? Yes. Did you eat a lot of candy? Yes. Um, did you like dressing up like Metal Ellie? Yes. And I said, hey, can you fly? And she said, not right now. Because <laughs> I don't have my cape. 
It's interesting, right? Because she's a smart kid. She realizes she can't fly without that cape. But there is no doubt in her mind that she puts that cape on and she can fly. So, back to work. Paul is saying, in this new humanity, right? When we put on this new nature, it's like that cape. We put it on, and you can overpower the powers. You can live in unity, and you can keep all these instructions, and you can live this amazing God-honoring life. The power is already available to us. We can follow these instructions and live this awesome life that God has for us. Why? Because we are in Christ. We've put him on. We've put on this new nature, like, like a shirt. So when it's hard to follow these instructions, and, and sometimes when we feel like we don't even want to follow these instructions, the apocalypse is you don't have to do them in your own power. We can follow them in the power of Jesus because we are in Christ. So here's this verse. We've read this 100 times. Ephesians 1.19. This is his prayer for them. He's not praying for them to have more power so they can do gooder. He's not praying that they'll have more power so that they can live a higher life. He's not praying that they will have more power. He's just praying that they'll understand the power they already have. Look what he says. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for those of us who believe in him. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Everyone who is in Christ has that same power working in them and working through them. And it's not, it's sometimes I think we think, well, I know I could, but I just don't feel it, man. I don't even want to. Look, this is a cool verse. Philippians 2.13 says, God is working in you, and he's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So, I mean, this is the apocalypse, right? We aren't following these instructions on our own so that we can get in Christ. We are not following these instructions on our own power so that we can get in Christ. We're following these instructions in his power because we are in Christ. You see the difference? It's a huge difference. We're not using our power to do these amazing things so that we can somehow get into the club and somehow get into Christ. We're following these instructions in the power that he provides because we're already in Christ. You can do these things because you're in Christ. You don't have to accomplish them by pure willpower or by your own goodness. You accomplish them by leaning into Jesus. You accomplish them by accepting this new humanity this, and putting on this new nature that he has given us. Your, your new nature, is, it's, it's not a trick. You know? this, it's who you are. It's who you are now. It's three chapters, man. This is who you are. You're called. You're unified. You're immersed and empowered by his grace. And as we take off our like our old identity, right? like a dirty shirt, and we put on this fresh new identity of a new human, then we're empowered by God to follow these instructions and to do the stuff that he asks us to do. I keep coming back to this verse, one, I think it's funny, and number two, this is a very telling, really important verse. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 10. This is Paul, and you know, Paul, we know what Paul did, right? He wrote the Bible, baby. He started all these churches. He did all these, he, he took beatings. He got arrested. He was shipwrecked, snake bit, you name it. He went through everything. He's done everything, right? And he knows it. First um, Corinthians 15, 10. He says, whatever I am now, it's all because God has poured out his charis, his special favor, his grace, right? Whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out his grace on me. 
And then there were results, right? After God poured out his grace on me, he says, I've worked harder than any of the other apostles. And he gets it in, as we know, every chance he gets, but he's, he's, what's he saying? Once God poured his grace on me, like something happened, right? I, it, it didn't just change what I do, it changed who I am. That's what he said, right? Whatever I am now, it's because God pulled out, poured out his favor on me. And the result of God pouring his favor on me was, yeah, I did all this incredible work. And then here's the best part. Yet, it was not I. It was God working through me by his grace. Isn't that, that's awesome, right? It's, 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 it's me, but it's not me. I mean, it's me, but it's not me. It's Christ in me. It's me in Christ. It's God's grace working through me. And as we're following these instructions, man, we're like Paul. You're, you're, you're like Paul. It's you doing it, but it's not you. But I mean, it's you, but it's not you. It's, it's, it's Christ in you. It's you in Christ. It's, it's God's chorus, God's grace working through you. So your response to these commandments right, to these instructions, to all these therefores, your response, yeah, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah, of course, you should put a lot of effort into it. But your response is not just to, like, bear down and try to squeeze out some honesty, like giving birth, right? I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be generous no matter what. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving to these idiots. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna somehow, you know, of course we try. Right, we're trying to please God, for, and of course we try, and of course we do all we can to honor God's instructions, but more than that, our response is to get into Jesus, to just put him on like a shirt, to just draw closer to him and depend on him and lean into him for the desire and the power to do what pleases God. And yeah, it takes time, right? I mean, we used to be like that, Right? It, it takes time and, and it's a process, but the closer you are to Christ and the more he surrounds you like a shirt, like the more you experience what it's like to be in him, like the Bible talks a lot about this word abiding, right? Or some, some, some Bibles say living in Christ, abiding in Christ, remaining in Christ. And that's what, that's what it's talking about. It's just being there, just living your life in him, just, just living your life hanging in him. That's what it's talking about, just being in him, just experiencing him in you. And as you do, you will be truthful and generous and thankful and hardworking and kind and tenderhearted and forgiving, and you will follow these instructions. And it's not just because of some great effort on your part or talent on your part or goodness on your part. It's just because that's who you are now. In Christ, that is your new identity. So Paul's not saying, you know, do all this stuff. But it, I know it's impossible, and I know it's out of character. I know it's counterintuitive. I know it's, it's impossible for you to do it, but do it anyway, and that way you won't burn in hell. This is the opposite of that. It's the opposite of that. He's saying, you're in Christ now. Those old behaviors, that's just not you anymore. It used to be you. That's not you anymore. This is a new you. It's a new humanity. You're in Christ now. This is, this is natural for you. Look at Ephesians 5, 8. He says, once you were full of darkness, once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So just act like it. 
Right? Now you have light from the Lord, so just live as people of light. And it's not you producing this light. It's not you creating this light. It's not you working up this light. Look what he says. This light within you produces what's good and right and true. You're full of the light of Jesus. You're in him. And he's in you. That's who you are now. And Paul is just saying just relax and just act like it. Right? He's not asking you to, to, to be someone you're not. He's not asking you to do something you can't. He's just saying, just stay connected to Jesus. Put that shirt on, right? Put on this new humanity in Christ and just be yourself. Just let your behaviors reflect your new, true identity. And just stop behaving like somebody that you're not. Unchosen, unsaved, divided, weak. Instead, act like who you are. Called and chosen by God and saved by his grace and unified in Christ and empowered by his spirit. You, you ever think about like, what if you won the lottery? Let me ask you this question. Has anybody not been through this in your head? Right, well if I won the lottery, if I won a hundred million dollars, man, I'll tell you what I would do. My life would change if I got a hundred million. And you read about these people winning it and you're like, why them, right? I mean, they didn't even do it right. <laughs> if I did it, man, I would, you know, I'd buy a new house. I'd move to Hawaii. I would get some of those handmade Lucchese boots. Yeah, I'd get me one of those $100,000 watches. One guy said, you know, I would buy a brand new Ferrari 296 GTB. Red, tan leather interior, Pirelli, low profile, racing tires. And if there was money left over, I'd get the air conditioner fixed in my wife's minivan. <laughs> so there's a lot of ways you could go, right? A lot of options. A lot of, if you won $100 million, there's a lot of ways you might act. There's a lot of things you might do, but probably what you wouldn't do is what you did the day before. Right? You wouldn't act like that anymore you wouldn't continue your former way of life. Right? You would let your behaviors reflect your new, true identity. I mean, you're a multimillionaire now. It's time to get rid of that 2006 single cab truck with a cracked windshield, hand crank windows, 196,000 miles, CD player that doesn't work, right? And that's, that's done now. That's not you, that's not you. That's not you. You wouldn't be shopping at the same places. You wouldn't be eating at the same places. You probably wouldn't be living in the same place. Why? That's not how multimillionaires live, right? This week I was studying a great man in the Bible, Elon Musk. You know him? <laughs> the Tesla guy? He's worth $300 billion. I can't even understand that number. 300, I don't even know how many zeros that is. $300 billion dollars, billion dollars. Remember when we thought the Waltons were rich, the Walmart people? They're like in poverty, right? <laughs> He's worth more than the gross domestic product of almost every country on the planet. He's worth more than Toyota. This, it's, I, I, I can't like grasp the amount of money that is. I just can't imagine how much money that is. So a couple of questions come up. Number one, does anyone know if he's looking for a church to tithe to? <laughs> just, and Elon, if you're watching right now, my CBCB, to PO Box 249, Spring Branch, Texas, 78070. 
Number one, I'm wondering what the tithing situation is. And number two, with $300 billion, do you think he eats a lot of meals at Taco Bell? No. He eats at classy places, like Taco Cabana. <laughs> right? He's, it's, it's, listen, it's nothing for him to spend 10 bucks on a taco. Right? It's nothing for him to spend $100 on a meal. It's nothing for him to spend $1,000 on a meal or a half million dollars on a car or $10,000 on a suit or $200 on a haircut. Right? He didn't even think about it. That's just who he is. He's just letting his behavior reflect his true identity. That's how billionaires live. And he's not worried that his check's going to bounce. Right? He's not worried that they're not going to take his card. He knows who he is. He knows how rich he is. He's just living out of the wealth that's already there. Right? He's not watching the stock market to see if he can afford a new shirt. Right? He's just living out of the wealth that's already there. And when we follow these instructions in the Bible, when we tell the truth and we don't act in anger and we stop being selfish and we stop stealing and we start being selfless and generous and we start being kind to each other and forgiving each other, that's not foreign to us any more than a $200 haircut is to him. It's who we are now. In Christ, we're, we're part of this new humanity. We have a new nature. And Paul is saying, you're part of this new humanity. It's who you are now. In Christ, you're chosen and unified and covered in grace and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to live the old way anymore. So following these instructions is really just a matter of realizing who we are and acting like it. We're not unchosen and unsaved and divided and weak. We're chosen. We're called by God. We're saved by his grace. We're unified in Christ. We're empowered by our spirit. And yeah, God has given us instructions. He has given us directions. He's given us commandments on how to live an amazing, abundant life that honors him and that draws people to him. But it's not, it's not like this is a list of things we have to do in order to be in Christ. This is a list of what naturally flows out of us because we're in Christ. I'll say this again. We aren't following these instructions on our own so that we can get in Christ. We're not following these instructions in our own power so that we can be in Christ. We're following these instructions in his power because we are in Christ. And it does take effort on our part. But nothing's impossible for us. For us, Nothing's impossible for us because we are this new humanity of called, blessed, unified, grace-covered, spirit-empowered demon stompers. And Paul's saying, this is who we are in Christ. So let's act like it. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for calling us and for saving us and for unifying us and for empowering us, for covering us with your grace, for giving us the same power that raised you from the dead so that we can overcome the powers, so that we can accomplish these things and do these impossible tasks and live a life that is powerful and abundant and rich and satisfying for us and is also a life that honors God and draws people to him. Thank you, thank you for drawing us in and saving us so that we can be in Christ. 
And Jesus, my prayer today is that you will just open our eyes, just illuminate this, give us this apocalypse of who we are. Help us to live out our new, true identity of who we are in you. We are not children of the darkness anymore. We are full of your light. Lord, help us just to let that light shine out. Help us to trust who you are in us and help us to move forward as who we are in you. God, empower us by your grace and remind us that it's there. In your name, amen. And amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.